We are picking up, this is week four of our series, Love and Respect, on relationships and what it means to love and respect. So we're going to cover a lot of ground, so I want to kind of just get going. So let's dive in. Are you ready? All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Did I say 4? Chapter 5. We'll start in verse 21. I'm going to use the screen because it's much easier for me to see. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Come on, ladies, get a cheer out of that. Come on now. Yeah, all right. Wives, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to the husbands in everything. Someone say everything. Everything. Ladies, say everything. everything. Men, say everything. Now, before you get too excited, men, we need to keep reading the Bible. Amen? Husbands, love your wives. Are you listening? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and died for her. That's what that means. So while the ladies only have to submit, men, we get to die. Uh, That went over real well, I can tell. Ladies, all you have to do is submit, but men, we get to die. Hallelujah. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. This is why he did it, so that she would be holy, cleansing her. I love that line, by the washing with water through what? The word. Let's keep going. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Isn't that beautiful? Let's keep going. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives. Notice he said, in this same way. As their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Someone say, leave and cleave. Leave and cleave. We'll talk about that in a little bit. This is a profound mystery, and it is. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Someone say, love and respect. The man has a responsibility to love, and she has a responsibility to respect. You may be seated. I think we ought to pray over this word, amen? Because I want us to really get this today. Now listen, before I pray, I want to remind you of something. If you're a single here, do we have any singles in the house? Do we have anybody proud to be single? Come on. Yay, Marsha. Awesome. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah, I... You should be proud to be single. My goodness, God has positioned you in such a way whereby you're mobile and free and can move the gospel ball down the field. Amen? Now, those of you who are married, anybody married in the house? Anybody excited about being married in the house? Anybody not excited? No, 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 wait. Don't even go there. Just kidding. Don't even. Don't even. Listen, I want to pray over this because I think we're going to give you something. To, you know, we've been setting this up. I've been spending a lot of time doing a lot of peripheral but, and contextual things. But today we're going to give you some very practical, and all the men said. The men need a checklist. Amen? 
I do. And so we're going we're gonna to share some things and, and understanding that some of what we're going to share today is counterintuitive. In other words, it's not natural sometimes to do what is expected of us. But how many of you know that God has not called us to be natural, but to be supernatural? Amen? So let's pray together over this. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for grace and for wisdom. And Father, the right words, Lord. Lord, I just simply want to be your, your messenger today. And I ask you, Lord, to open up our eyes and our minds and our ears and our hearts that we may understand, that we may see, that we may hear, that we may comprehend, Father, your word. Father, we want to grow. We want to be developed. And so we ask you to teach us today. Holy Spirit, be the spirit of truth today and be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Now, again, speaking to singles specifically, I want you to understand something that what I'm going to be talking about today and what we're talking about through this series really is here to help establish a grid, so to speak. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be seeing somebody, you're going to be dating somebody, you're going to be courting somebody, you're going to be looking across the room at somebody, you're going to be meeting somebody, somebody's happened, amen? And so because of that, we want to help establish a grid whereby you will have a standard or a baseline where you can measure situations, measure circumstances, measure a relationship. Because let me tell you something, if that guy is not lining up now, let me tell you what marriage does. Marriage is the great amplifier. Marriage doesn't change anything. It only amplifies what was already there, good or bad. So what we want to do is beforehand, we want to make sure that things are lined up. Amen? So what we're trying to do is help establish a grid that will help you, a filter, so to speak, a lens through which you see and you say, you know what, if that guy is not right now, there is no way that, that dating and marriage is going to make him righter. And that works for her as well. If she is not right now and if she's controlling and dominating and the list goes on and on, let me tell you something, marriage will not change that. It will only amplify that. Amen? Amen. That's probably enough of message today. Let's pray and go home. All right? <laughs> now, we're going to keep on moving through this. I am bringing the material. Uh, some of the material that we're getting is, is out of this book. By the way, Pastor Rich and Donna are doing a life group on this right now. They've met twice. And the book is called Love and Respect. And I want you to know this is an excellent, excellent book. As I have continued to pour through this and read through this and be convicted by this, uh, I want you to know it is powerful. In the back, there is a wonderful section for men, for guys like me. Literally, it's, it's an appendix that, that gives you a lexicon of love and respect definitions. And I'm telling you, it is so practical. So... I do, I do not get royalties for this. I just want you to know this is a great resource for all of us. And I would encourage you as a family to get this book and go through this book. Now, let me tell you something. It's not just going to help those who are married. It's going to help fathers be better fathers. It's going to help mothers be better mothers. It's going to help students and children be better students and children because it speaks to the core of who we are. So I just want to set all that up now. Let me hit the ground running with some things here. Listen to this. Marriage is the ultimate test of our ability to manage relationships on a long-term basis. Now, I've been giving you a how-I-met-your-mother scenario, 
in, in that I've been telling the story of Annette and I and how what we went through and, and our background. Now, you've got to understand something. If you haven't been with us, let me just give you the real short version. I was married for 10 years. I married the first Christian I ever dated when I was 18 years old. I got married at 19 as a baby Christian, thinking that just because we were Christians, everything would be okay. And I had the attitude that we'll just get married, then we'll fix everything. And let me tell you something, 10 years later, that did not prove to be the case. And I went through a very difficult and very devastating divorce 10 years later. I'd graduated from school, from college. I was in seminary at Southwestern Seminary in my, in my last year of school, getting my graduate degree, when my wife walked in and said, I want out. And I said, out of what? That's how ignorant I was. She said, out of this marriage, I'm gone. And two weeks later, she was literally gone. And took everything with her, and, and uh, I was kind of like, you can have everything, I don't care. And I started over. Now, last week we talked about, uh, I talked about the dynamics of that the first couple of weeks. Then last week I talked about how I met Annette. Now, Annette and I, we met uh, at Indiana Avenue Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. Great church, great pastor there by the name of John Randalls at the time. John was a friend of mine because I was in the ministry. He'd known me. He took me under his wing and he said, Jimmy, I want to help you because, first of all, you've got ministry in you on your life. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And God knew when he called you to the ministry what you were going to go through. He knew what was going to happen. And so he took me under his wing and he began to walk me through a, a season of restoration. And I thank God for a man that had the heart to do that and to see a broken young man Say, I'm here to help. And God used John Randalls to help restore me. And then during that process, I met Annette. And what was so amazing about it is that when Annette and I met, we literally were to a point where we both, apart from one another, before we met, a short time before we met, had both told the Lord individually, without knowing anything, I will not date again. We're not, I'm not playing the game anymore. I'd done that in my time with the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm completely sold out to you. I'm committed to you, and I'm not playing games. And if I, if I literally, if I remain single the rest of my life, I'm okay with that. And I gave it to God. What I did know is that Annette had done the same thing. And when we met, we weren't looking. Let me tell you something. Having gone through, I didn't spend a lot of time in the dating scene because, frankly, it was goofy. It was just weird. I mean, really, a 30-year-old guy going to a movie, dinner in a movie, was, you know, trying to get to... It, I felt like I was in high school again. And I was creeped out every time I went. I was like, this is just goofy. And because at that point in life, I knew what I wanted out of life. I knew where I was going. And, I, and what I didn't want was to recreate being 16. And so I remember the last date I, I was on with a girl. And I, I, we were at a movie and... and and this girl wanted to go to a party. She, and I was like, this is crazy. We're completely unequally yoked. I didn't want any, And she's talking about wanting to go hang out and go to this party. And I finally turned to her during the movie and I said, I'm going to take you home. <laughs> she said, what? I said, I said, this isn't going to work out. I'm taking you home. So we finished the movie. The temperature dropped in the theater. It was interesting. <laughs> I mean, literally, I could see breath coming out of my mouth. But I'm sitting there, and I said, Lord, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. 
And uh, we had a quiet walk out to the car. And uh, we got in the car and she said, I won't tell you what she said. It's not appropriate. I'll just say she, she wasn't happy about my decision. And I just said, look, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't even be here with you. I'm trying to get my life together with God. And, and I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I, if, if you think I'm a jerk, I'm a jerk. But I'm, I'm taking you home. I drove her home. That was the longest quarter mile, half mile I've ever driven in my life. And when she got out of the car, she was so mad. She called me a lot of names, made up a few, I think. Some I'd never heard. And she kicked my door. And I drove off the biggest smile on my face. Because literally it was like, I felt free because I had finally just said, I'm done. And I drew the line in the sand. Probably should have waited until later that night. And I, but, I, but it was like, I, I, had to do, I had to draw the line in the sand. And so that was it. I kissed dating goodbye, as Josh Harris says. And uh, it wasn't long after that that Annette and I met in church, uh, or I saw her in church, actually, in Sunday school. And then um, I saw her at the gym the very next week. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> wow, she looks good in workout stuff. <laughs> I wasn't in church then. I was like, woo, okay. And so I went up and talked to her at the gym, and I just said, hey, I, I saw you in church. She still swears it's a line. It was not a line. I was literally just, well, hey, I saw you at church. And, and the very next week, uh, she sat by me in Sunday school. Come on now. Sunday school is good for something. <laughs> she sat beside me in Sunday school, and, and I led worship that morning, and God had already, I'd already stepped up to the plate to help that Sunday school class out, and I led worship, and and uh, we literally, at that afternoon, got together and we went across the street there to Taco Villa. Come on, somebody. And we both got a big old Diet Coke. I knew when she ordered Diet Coke, it was on. I mean, I'm just like. We sat there, and let me tell you what we did. I want everybody to listen to me. This is really deep. But we talked. I mean, we really talked. And, and we, we got past all the pretense very quickly. And we just basically said, look, we don't have time to mess around. We both made a commitment to God. And so here's the deal. Here's what I desire out of life. This is what I want in a relationship. I want somebody who's sold out to Jesus. I want somebody who's godly. I want somebody who's not playing games. I want somebody who, who desires the kingdom first. I want somebody who's the real deal. And if you're not it, then it was really nice having a Coke with you. Coke and a smile, you know, and it's time to go on. And, and she had the same spirit, same attitude. We just were not into the games. And that's how our relationship started. And that's how our relationship is today, 18 years later. Amen. You can clap. 18 years is good. The statistics say 67%, you know, is, is against us. Those who marry again a second time, 67%. Those who marry a third time goes up to 78%. Will not make it in marriage. Listen to this. A statistic, 7,000 people were asked, when you're in a conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved at that moment or disrespected? 83% of the men said they feel disrespected. And 72% of the women, women say, said they feel unloved. So it's interesting, this love and respect component that we read about in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, 
I want to show you the cycles because it's important to see this. And Randall, if you would, go ahead and pull up the cycle. There's two cycles we're going to talk about. One is the crazy cycle. The other is the energizing cycle. And this is a picture of what it looks like. Now look at the very top. Without love, in conflict, she what? She reacts. You see how the circle goes? Without love, she reacts. So if I, as a man, am not expressing love, or if she doesn't think I'm expressing love because what I think is love may not be what she thinks is love. Remember, last week we talked about how women see life through pink shades, men see life through blue shades. Trust me, they're not the same. And when you wear them, you see different things. And she's seeing things in a pink hue. I'm seeing things in a blue hue. And, and so without love, she reacts. Look at this. Without respect, he reacts. So without love, she, re- she reacts. Without respect, he reacts. And here's the interesting thing. Love is what she desires the most. Respect is what he needs the most. And whenever one is withheld, the other will withhold. And so what happens is you get caught in this cycle. Where a man feels emasculated. He feels put down. He feels devalued. He feels contempt toward him. Or he feels disrespect. At that point, he stonewalls. He shuts down. And trust me, you ain't getting any loving. Because when a man feels disrespected, he literally shuts down. And then he goes off to his cave, goes off to his hobby, goes off to his boys. He goes. It's called stonewalling. And so the cycle continues. And so with, without love, she continues to react. You can see how this cycle perpetuates itself and generates momentum. And it's dangerous. And re- until that cycle is broken, until things are brought into order, it will destroy the relationship. Now, how does that apply to singles? Let me tell you something, ladies. If you have a guy, now let's talk about love in terms of what it means as well. Not only does it mean love in a marriage context, but it means love in the sense of cherishing. Listen, a man should cherish and honor and honor, cherish and honor a woman no matter what because of who she is. And I'm telling you, you got some guy coming around. And he's controlling and has demands and decides he's going to set the tone for everything. And he's going to control the situation and overtake everything. What happens is you've got a guy who does not know what cherish means. And that ought to be a red flag. That ought to be a, a danger, danger, Will Robinson. That's from Lost in Space, for those of you who remember that one. That ought to be, that ought to be some, a bomb going off that says, if he doesn't know how to cherish me in this level... There is no way he'll be able to cherish me in marriage. Because you haven't even been tested yet. And the same thing, guys. If you've got a, a girl that, that you're seeing, that you're interested in, and all you hear is, is control coming out of her. Dominant. She's calling a shot. She's saying this. She's saying that. And she's telling you what you're going to do, how you're going to dress, what you're going to wear. Now, listen, my wife dresses me well, and I accept it. Because I know what happens when I don't. So... Those of you who compliment, I appreciate the nice compliments. I, if you'll notice, I always say my wife knows how to dress me. So. But I do that willingly because I know the result would be devastating if I didn't. So I've learned after 18 years. But let me tell you something. If, if she is not bringing honor your way in the courting scenario, there's no way she'll bring honor in the marriage relationship. Are you hearing me? 
And they call it the crazy cycle because it literally, it is completely disorienting. The men, the men literally in that cycle, in that scenario, live with this, this, this feeling of being, I'm drowning. Or vertigo, I don't know which way's up. I say this, I get in trouble. I say that, I get in trouble. It's like, I can't win, I can't win, I can't win. I know no men have ever felt like that in here. <laughs> okay to laugh it's, it's all right it's just real folks this is where we live is it not now our desire in this i'm not here to just teach a bunch of pop psychology and all what we're trying to do is we want to be transformed people amen we want to say to our world that's watching us look our lives have been changed by the gospel of jesus christ now there are tools along the way that help us in that transformation process we know the gospel changes, but we have to receive that gospel and allow it to be empowered in our lives, do we not? Now, God brings along things like this and allows us to add tools to our toolbox so that the process of transformation continues. Amen? So that's the crazy cycle. And let me just say this. Without love, she reacts. Without respect, he reacts. Now, I want to get to this, and this is the energizing cycle because I'm going to give you some real practical to-do type things. So... His love motivates her respect. Now, I want you to see this cycle. The energize, this is where it starts getting fun. His love motivates her respect, which motivates his love. Now, this isn't deep, but it's not easy. So look at the pattern. His love motivates her respect, and her respect motivates his love. This brings life. It brings energy to the relationship. But again, you can turn this to the crazy cycle with one decision. With one thing out of your mouth. You can literally change this thing and turn this thing. So now, let me give you some things here uh, about this. His love motivates. Her love motivates. And let me give you an acronym called COUPLE. And I like this. It's C-O-U-P-L-E. It's an acronym. And this is how to spell love to your wife. Men, I'm about to help you. Ladies, I'm about to help you. I'm about to be your, fa- your favorite pastor. All right? You ready for this? Okay, y'all don't want anything. Y'all don't want this. All right, come on. I'm going to help you. This could change your life, change your marriage. Deuteronomy 24, 5. I want to share this scripture with you. And this is out of the King James. Come on, somebody. 1611 version. Where'd it go? Randall, help me out. Huh? Oh, here we go. All right. If a man has recently married. Now, listen to this. This is in the Jewish culture. And understand that how much the Jewish culture valued. Look at this. How much they valued marriage. Look what it says. If a man is recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. Now, look at this. Check this out. For one year. You get married, you get a year off. Let me tell you something. That year off wasn't just to have a year off to go play. It was a year off for something. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and look at his job for one year. Come on, ladies, you're going to like this. And bring happiness to the wife he has married. This is how much God understood and the necessity for what would happen in that primary year. Now, what happens to us when we get married? Annette and I, when we got married, we got married so fast, and we were so in the fly of life. I mean, just the pace of life. We didn't get a honeymoon till the next year. 
We didn't even take a honeymoon. We, we barely had time off to get married because we both had jobs. And, and she had two children that I inherited, a, a 12 and a 14, was blessed to inherit a 12 and 14-year-old instant family. And I mean, literally, life was moving at the speed of light. So we didn't have time to, to, to slow down. And so here we go. We get married, and we're in it already. It's like instant family. And yet in the culture, the Hebrew culture, they literally would have an entire year where there were no expectations placed on the man because they understood the demands of family and the demands of a relationship were so heavy and so strong and it was so important that they would give them an entire year off. How many of you guys go, man, that would have been nice. Whole year off? I'd have taken a week. That would have been exciting for me. That's how important it was to them. So let's talk about how you spell love to your wife. And uh, look at this. C, so I'm going to give you this acronym. C stands for this, closeness. Guys, she wants you to be close. I'm going to speak to the guys for just a second. She wants you to be close. She wants you to be near. Now, I'm going to say some things that are going to be counterintuitive to us as men. Now, now, let me say this. I'm not going to make men out to be idiots either like our culture does. Annette and I, we watch a lot, of, or we used to, actually, we've stopped. We used to watch a lot of TV. We're to the point now where everything we see, we're, we're seeing with a filter, and we realize how culture is completely devaluing men. Most of the Super Bowl commercials made men look like a bunch of pigs. And I watched them, and I laughed for a second, and then I went, oh. What am I laughing at? My, my entire, I just, I look like an idiot. All men are stupid. All men are selfish. All men just, just want sex. I mean, if, if you believe the commercial, if you believe what culture says about us, Amen. She wants you to be close. So I'm going to say some things that are counterintuitive. In Genesis 2.24, this is King James Version 16. Listen to this. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave. That means literally to adhere to, to, to draw close to. This idea of cleaving means literally to become one. It says unto his wife and they shall be what? One flesh. So the idea is to leave and to cleave, but the idea is really to leave. When you leave the home to be married to your wife, you're literally leaving the home, leaving to marry, leave and cleave. But a lot of times there's leaving but no cleaving. And the very way that God has wired her to be is for intimacy and closeness. My gosh, you get a bunch of ladies at Starbucks in a conversation, it's just they're engaged, it's eyeball to eyeball, they're talking, they're talking. You try to get two guys at Starbucks without something to talk about. It's just weird. <laughs> Me and Kyle were sitting at a movie last night. We went to see Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. By the way, that is a bizarre show. <laughs> when you look at it through our cultural eyes and a biblical worldview, and, and I mean... <laughs> Several times, me and me, two guys sitting here watching this movie, and, and we're both going, this is awkward. This is really awkward. <laughs> you know, it's bizarre. I mean, it's bizarre. Because it was, but here's the deal. You get me and Kyle talking about guns or guitars or, or hobbies, 
Man, it's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I mean, we can't shut up as we're waiting for the next person to take a break. Men need activity. Men need something to talk about that engages them in a round and indirect way, a roundabout way. Women like to be very direct. Am I hitting the nail on the head here? Women want to talk eyeball to eyeball, knee to knee, face to face. Men want to talk around something. It's because one is wearing pink shades, the other is wearing blue. And so when you come together, now when you're in a little, the little I'm in love phase, it's all different and men all of a sudden become you know, the greatest you know, female metrosexuals ever. I mean, they can talk and get it. Woohoo! Yeah, all of a sudden, for a few months, you know, we're just all in there. But let me tell you something: the adrenaline wears off at some point, and the real you starts to come back out in a relationship, and it's where the real work begins. It's called the honeymoon phase, right? If you've ever heard of that. Let me tell you something: your honeymoon will be over at some point, and you have to get down to the real work of making a relationship work. And here's the deal: she desires you to be close. The first few seconds set the tone. You, sir, set the tone. Listen to this: you take the lead. When you come home from work, I'm going to give you something that will help you. When you come home from work, the first thing a man is thinking about is, I want to veg. Where is my remote? Now listen, we we saw Seven Brothers for Seven Sisters, and it was all about, when is the food going to be ready? Oh, seven whatever, it's seven something. Seven brides for seven brothers. Seven people for seven other people. Something. Right, it wasn't. Yeah, let me clarify. All right, where's Kyle? Kyle, Kyle, I'm going to clarify. Sorry, champ. Hero, big faith. Man of God. No, as our, our whole life group went. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad we clarified that. I mean, Kyle and I, it's Steven Seagal or something. I mean, come on, you know. But anyway, in that mood, where was I before truth broke in? I mean, something just happened. All right. Thank you. Yeah, well, you've got to think in terms of, of the, the mentality then, and this was made in the 40s. I mean, the, the mentality was he, he went and got a wife so she could cook and clean and take care of them. And that was the expectation. This is, she's a fine, strong woman. Boy, he sang about it and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's musical. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, so that, that was his entire mentality. And let me tell you something. Even though we laugh about it, some of that gets passed down generationally. And depending on who your model was, men, not all of us had great models. I remember my papa. That's on my dad's side. And I'm telling you, he was old school. He was, I work, I come home, and dinner should be ready. Now, what he didn't take into consideration was that his wife also worked. That was my nanny. So, nanny and papa worked, but she worked doubly hard because... When they came home, she was expected to have everything ready. And, I mean, she could cook, and she did it all. And, I mean, she was on it. And I remember my papa's posture 
through most of my life was him laying back in his recliner snoring. <laughs> Literally. It was so bad. Remember when tape recorders came, when cassettes came out. I know I'm really dating myself here, but when cassettes came out and these little Panasonic tape recorders had a little handle on them, then we would sneak up on my papa and record him snoring <laughs> just for something to do. But I, those are memories of mine where that was how I saw him for most of his life, snoring in a, in a recliner because he had been working. He had been out hunting and killing and, you know, killing the buffalo and, you know. You know, that was the mentality. But I'm going, but she's out killing the buffalo too and making a living and, So there's this, these misconceptions. Sir, you set the tone. So here's what happens. I want to encourage you this. When you come into the house, the first few moments of reconnecting will set the tone for the rest of the evening. This is real practical. She wants to connect face to face. You want to chill out, unplug from your day and veg. Go into the kitchen. Man, I'm going to help you right here. Go into the kitchen and help get dinner started. Is this too hard? Now, if she respectfully requests you to get out of her kitchen, you then can move over to the bar or the table and still have a conversation. Because you may be getting in the way. You may be causing more problems than you're worth. Okay, so, so, so you go in and being sensitive and being wise. Now, Annette and I, one of the things, we didn't date, but we cooked. I know that sounds weird, but we just didn't do the dating thing. We decided we're going to get to know each other, so we spent time, so we cooked. And we were real, she still is, I'm semi, but we were in a real healthy lifestyle. I mean, we, we, our whole life revolved around that. And so we cooked all of our own food, and so we would cook. I mean, that's what we did. We'd come home, and we would cook. And we spent time, and to this day, that's something we have fun, and we do together. Guys, let me tell you something. There's a partnership going on here. And what she needs from me when I come home is that us together do something. It is a partnership. I'm going to say that again. It is a partnership. Running the household is not just her responsibility. Now, there are things that she's better at and things that I'm better at. And we work together and we've gotten to know what works and how that works. And it works like clockwork. And so when we come home, we work together. When it comes to Rachel, our 10-year-old, we work together. There are things I do well. I do good getting her down for bed and getting her ready. Annette does good in dressing her because she doesn't want me dressing Rachel. <laughs> Trust me, when Annette's out of town, y'all will know it. Just look at Rachel. <laughs> It'll be real obvious because it's happened before. It looked good to me, but, you know, it's just, it's just not my strong point. But it is her. So we work together in this thing and we partner together in this thing. But how, when I come home, the first few seconds of the tone are set for the evening. And it can be good or bad. Listen, the last thing I need to do is come home, run straight upstairs. I have a man cave. It's called a bonus room. It's got a big TV in it and our desk and our computer. And it, what would it be like if I ran home and went straight up the stairs turned on the big TV, turned on my computer, and started watching TV and hanging out and checking out SportsCenter. Let me just tell you, it would not be well with my soul. But even worse, it wouldn't be well with hers. Because you know what she needs after we've been gone all day long? She needs a conversation. Because she is wired for it. 
Don't blame her. It's not her fault. She's wired for it. Just because you're not, guys, doesn't mean that she doesn't need it. And how we show love to her is that we stop and we give her time. Now listen, Annette needs details. I don't know about your wife, your, but she likes details. So I come home from an elders meeting on Thursday night. I was very tired. It was a long, long day. I'd been in meetings literally all day on Thursday. And let me tell you something. My, my vocabulary was used up. But when I got home, Annette wanted to know how the meeting went. And I gave her the stock answer. Great. <laughs> Did I not? She said, well, what would y'all talk about? Stuff. I mean, literally, I was in one of those short... I wasn't in a bad mood. I was just tired. And, and it had been a great meeting. And man, we, there was a lot of energy in our, in our elders' meetings. Like a little mini revival moment. We were just like, ah, excited. So by the time I got home, I was gone. I was toasted. You know what she wanted? Closeness. She wanted a conversation. You know what I wanted? To go to bed. <laughs> to veg out. I was tired. But you know what? I had to stop for a second and go, she needs some details. And so I begin to give out some details here and there. And it's funny because I'll give out, I'll leak out details over the next 12 hours. Now, I don't know how about you guys, but, but I'll be doing something and I'll think of something I didn't tell her. And then I'll bring it up and she'll go, why didn't you tell me that? And, well, I didn't think about it when we, because I'm not thinking like that. So I'll, be, I'll just leak out over the next 12 to 18 hours the details will come out. And she's learned that about me and she knows things are going to come out in a phone conversation. How many of you guys, when you go, get off the phone, mama wants to know, so, so tell me about what, what they said. Uh, it's great. You know, it's awesome phone. Well, what'd they say? I don't know. What'd y'all talk about? I don't know. Don't make me recount all that. That's too many details. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is anybody married here? Oh, okay. All right. It sure is quiet. No, but, but, but here's the deal. She needs the conversation. She needs it. And that's one of the ways that we show love is through closeness. Talk with her. Ask her about her day. Tell her about yours. Caution here. Don't want up hers. This is something that Annette has, has worked with me on for 18 years straight. Is that I get real involved in a conversation. I get excited. So she'll share something with me and I want to relate to her. And so something similar will have happened to me. So I want to share that with her. And it just happens to be a little taller than hers. And then, and then and if we're not careful, we'll one-up one up each other and it, because of enthusiasm, and she'll have to go, uh, this is a, and she literally at times will go, this conversation is about me right now. <laughs> and she might as well just grab my face and say, look, really, just listen. Because in my enthusiasm and wanting to connect and relate, I will overdo it, and I'll literally go, one up. And she's like, oh, okay, you got the floor now. It's all about you. You know? I mean, she'll do it nice, but, but, but I've learned, and I'll catch my, I'll, I'll stop, and, and then sometimes I overcorrect, and I don't say anything. Then I don't care. So it's, it's, it's really, you've got to work at these things, amen? You've got to work at it. But the thing is, is that we're working at it, amen? All right, here's some, let me just give you, the, I'm going to run down the list, Randall, just so I can get all, the list out, but we're only going to do some details on a couple of things. Uh, openness is number two. Uh, she wants you to open up to her again, counterintuitive for most. 
counterintuitive. She wants to know what you're feeling. She wants to know what's inside. She wants to know what you're thinking. And uh-huh, yeah, stuff, great, fine, isn't enough. She wants to know what's going on. Number three, she, she needs understanding. That's, another, that's the you of, of, the, of the word. Don't try to fix her, just listen. Can I get an amen? Now, guys and ladies, you've got to understand, men are wired to fix. We are, God created us that way. We are problem solvers by nature. And so when we see an issue, we have to try to fix it. And so we, in our exuberance and walking out what we are hardwired to do, will sometimes overdo it where we will try to fix you. And there are times when we don't need to fix. We just need to listen. But let me tell you something. We need to listen with attention, not just listen while we're checking our BlackBerry or our iPhone or on Facebook or whatever. Or watching Sports Center. Can I get an amen? She needs our undivided attention. Amen? Is anybody uncomfortable yet? Okay. All right. I'm feeling a little tension, so maybe it's just me. This is convicting to me. So don't try to fix her, just listen. But listen, <laughs> while you're listening, say something. Because I have a tendency to give my all, and I did this recently. Annette goes, well, say something. I'm going, I'm listening. I'm working. I'm loving you. <laughs> I'm giving you everything here. Because I've got, I've got a list of how I could fix this. But I'm really listening. I'm, re, I'm exercising restraint. So, so we have to work together because I do need to let her know I'm engaged. So I, a lot of times she'll say, well, then just say uh-huh or something. Because she will be saying, and I won't say anything. And she'll go, are you going to say anything? I'm, no, I'm listening. Well, let me know you're listening. But then I won't be listening if I'm talking. So we have to work on these things constantly. 18 years, folks. And we're continuing to work. And let me tell you, don't ever buy into the lie that marriage isn't work. Or that there's a cruise control setting on it because it does not exist. You are either moving forward or you are going backward. There is no coasting in marriage. Amen? So we're working on it. We're growing together. Here's another one. Number four, peacemaking. That's the P. She wants you to say, I'm sorry. Guys, let me just be real honest with you. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And what I have found, now here's the deal. Because we like to be validated in our position, even when we miss it, the danger is, is that we will fight to the death for something that doesn't even matter. But she wants to hear, I'm sorry. Now, I am good about that. I'm good and quick to own. I'm very, I'm just, God, and my dad taught me that. Quick to own, quick to, to take on. So I, I'll look at you. I'm sorry, I missed that. I really missed it. I messed up. I'm, I'm quick to that because I've found that where there's no secrets, there's no leverage, and when you just let that go, you can get on down the road. But she needs to hear you say, I'm sorry. And I'm telling you, there, there was a culture in men where men, there was a pride. And, and it, it, was a, it was a lie that said, if we ever allow anyone, even our spouse, to see that, that we were wrong, we will be, if we admit that we're wrong, they will perceive us as weak. Well, the fear is, is that I won't get the respect that I need. 
And, and the sad thing about it is it's actually the opposite that's true. See, I don't mind telling my church and telling people that I've been through a divorce, even though I'm a pastor, that I have made mistakes, that I've missed it. Because if you don't like me after that and your religion is such that you can't handle and you don't understand mercy and grace and restoration and all that God and Jesus is about, then, then we probably don't need to be friends anyway. But for the majority of people who look at somebody like me or anyone else who will just go, you know what, I messed up. I made mistakes. I missed it. If, if, if your heart's right and mine's right, it'll actually endear us and draw us closer together. And we'll realize we're all in this thing together. We're fighting the good fight together. And we're going to help and mutually encourage each other and get this ball moved down the field. Amen? And so she needs you, she needs you to know, or she needs to hear, look, I'm really sorry. I missed it. So do your children, by the way. Amen? Number five, loyalty. She needs to know you're committed. And those boundaries will be so tested. And sometimes she will test them. She will push the buttons. Now, I don't want to go into detail here. We'll, we'll pick this up. Esteem is number six. She wants you to honor and cherish her. Let me just tell you something. It's not just a desire of hers. It's a need. It's a need. You know, it's funny how we will call our little daughters princesses. Oh, we, they're princess. But, but for some reason, when they grow up and then we marry and they're more on a peer level, we forget the fact that they were somebody's princess and they ought to be ours. And there ought to be this sense of where we cherish, where we honor, where we see her as the princess that she is. Because she was somebody's princess. I, you know, the whole thing about pornography and all that, I'm not going to go deep on this, but I'm telling you, every woman on those sites and, and every woman that's in that industry was somebody's princess one day. And something happened. Every one of them. And now they're objectified and depersonalized and dehumanized. And let me tell you, it is so demonic and it is so sick. You know, we'll beat the banner of human trafficking and stop child trafficking and all that, but, but yet the temptation to log on or get onto a porn site and dehumanize, we're, not doing it. we're no different than anyone else. Is it okay to be straight in church? Is it all right? I don't mind you being a little uncomfortable. All right, here's what your wife needs. Men, let me give you this. Worship team, I want you to go ahead and come forward. Come on up. Let me just give you, I'm going to go down the list. I won't spend time on this, but guys, this is what you can do. Your wife feels close to you when. Here we go. This is going to help you. Number one, you hold her hand. When was the last time you just held her hand? You know what? If you haven't done it in a while, it may feel a little mechanical and forced. Do it anyway. It's okay. Do it. You even say, look, I'm trying this. It's been a while, but... Let's, let's, let's try this. Let's try what Pastor Jimmy said. Let's try this. Hold her hand. Number two, hug her. When's the last time you gave your wife a hug? Just hug her. It's hidden deep. Number three, your wife feels close to you when you are affectionate without further intentions. In other words, hug her and don't expect anything else. Just hug her. Just give her a hug. Number five, your wife feels close to you. Number four, when you are alone, 
when, when you're with her alone so you can focus on each other and laugh together. I'm so excited. Annette and I are going to Dallas tonight, and Rachel is coming back with Daniela, so that's going to give us tonight and tomorrow for just without a child. And Rachel goes everywhere with she, She's just family. I mean, she's our child. But it's going to be so... I'm excited about tomorrow. I'm excited about going to breakfast at Mimi's Cafe, if that's where we go. That's where I want to go. Or, or, or just going shopping tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I like to go shopping. Why? Because she likes to go shopping. And when she's happy, I'm happy, and we have a good time, and it's fun. And I'll find a Starbucks along the way. Amen? So when you're with her alone, you can focus. And I'm excited about us being alone tomorrow because we get to focus on each other and just have a fun half day or more in Dallas. And it's going to be a nice time. Your wife feels close to you, number six, or number five. When you go for a walk, anything that results in togetherness. What do y'all like to do? Do you do anything together? I mean, for us, sometimes it's just cooking. See, we like to walk. I, I, we've missed our walks because of the weather and stuff. And, you know, we can go to a gym, but it's not the same than when we just go walk in our neighborhood and, and enjoy time together. That's a real precious thing for us. Your wife feels close to you. Number six, when you seek her out, set up a date night. When was the last time you set up a date night, not her set up a date night? Yeah, I'm convicted on this one. She's a good organizer, but I don't need to always defer to her gifts. Sometimes even in my weakness, I need to just take the lead. Amen? Yeah, thank you. Somebody say amen. I'm feeling real uncomfortable here. Somebody help me. Eat by candlelight. Hey, why not? Number seven, your wife feels close to you when you, you go out of your way to do something for her. Even a simple thing like running an errand. And there are times I do that. I'll stop by the store and pick up something. And I, just, I just did it. Just did it. Or I'll just offer to go. Look, I'll go. Because I know you're tired. I'll go. And she knows it's dangerous to send me to Walmart. Because <laughs> inevitably I come back with the wrong size, wrong brand, wrong something. But you know what? It's the heart. It's the effort. And thank God for cell phones at Walmart. Amen. It, it does work in there. Every man, have you ever noticed in Walmart? Every guy is carrying a phone. There's a guy in there, he's got a phone. That's wisdom. Your wife feels close to you, look at this, number eight, when you make it a priority to spend time with her. A priority. You know what that tells her? She's loved. You know what she needs to be? Loved. You know what you get in return? Respect. You know, we, we want what we want without doing what they need first, and we just demand our way. And every time we do that, we just... We, we go back into the crazy cycle. And then the last one, your wife feels close to you when you are aware of her as a person with a mind and opinions and you value her input. This is huge. To value her input. And you know what? All of us have ideas. We may have 10 ideas and only one out of 10 works, but you've got to value that one. Value what's coming your way. Because I'm telling you, that is how you say I love you, is when you value what they have to say. But the moment we men get prideful and think, oh, that's, oh, she doesn't understand, and we shut down and we stonewall, we go back into the crazy cycle. I don't know about you, I, I like the energizing cycle much more than the crazy cycle. Amen? And I'm telling you, when it's, when it's energized, I, the way I say it is that we're hitting on all eight cylinders. It's a V8 engine. It's running strong. 
And I'm telling you, that's how life ought to be lived. And I want to encourage you. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you as we just kind of land the plane for today on, on this. I, I don't know, listen, it sounds simple and sounds so practical, but that doesn't mean we do it well. So I'm going to ask the Lord, Father, would you help us? Help us, Father, to not get caught in these crazy cycles. Would you help us to, by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, recognize when we start down that road and arrest it, rebuke it, stop it. Help us, Father, to be sensitive. Help our, help our ladies to know that, that, that we are seeing things different. We're saying things different. We don't intend to, but we do. Give us grace for one another. I pray that even this week, that we'll take the time to, to execute some of these simple things that we've talked about. That we will come home, we'll set the tone in those first few moments together. That we, Father, as, and that we as men would take the lead in loving our wives, loving our children, loving our families, loving our friends. We will take the lead. We'll take responsibility. That we will be the men of God that you've called us to be. I pray in like manner that our wives will respond to our attempts to love. Though awkward at times, though feeble at times, though misguided at times. But that they will respond with respect and honor. And that together, together we'll, be, we'll have a marriage that looks like Christ in the church. So, Lord, I do pray for our families. Bless them. Encourage them. I pray for our singles. Father, that, that they will begin to set up a grid and begin to set up a filter that says if they don't measure up, if they don't fit this, this isn't going to work. That, Father, that we will begin to literally build a hedge about them, a hedge of grace and wisdom. So, Father, I'm asking for transformation for families. Not just for some good ideas, but that these God ideas would make a difference in our lives. That we may reflect and radiate Jesus. In Jesus' name, everyone said.